I speak to you this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I'm sure many of you have been out to see the Christmas lights, maybe the one in Oshkosh, if you've never seen it's quite a treat, or just drive around downtown, um, or even Watson Street and Ransom Street and, and historic areas. People have quite a bit of a Christmas light situation going on, except for us curmudgeons here, the rector and across from me, my neighbor, and we keep the advent light going quite nicely and quite blue. But when we go around looking at lights, decorations, variety of colors, we are sort of warmed with the sense that Christmas is coming. We see things like elves and carolers and Santa and his reindeer or a snowman or two or maybe a soldier. The decorations are quite familiar to the American mindset and they are often amusingly original. But here in Wisconsin, there are those who are diehard sports fans who deck out their house with um, Green Bay Packers lights. I'm not, sure, I'm not so sure what that has to do with Christmas, but it sure does look good. Of course, we eventually see a nativity scene. There will be baby Jesus in the manger, and Mary and Joseph will hover reverently over the holy child. Shepherds will be there, three wise men are there, and a plethora of animals. They give fullness to the sacred reminder amidst all the glitter. And there is always one person missing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that collectively we have seen, probably all of us, a lot of Christmas displays. So if you have found this person that's missing somewhere besides some Episcopal churches as nativity scenes, please let me know. Have you ever seen John the Baptist in a nativity scene? He'd be this hairy, unkept, wild-looking guy wearing camel's hair. And there will be a piece of locust cup between his teeth and dried honey in his beard. That's how I imagine him to be. And you would hear... Instead of ho, 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 or the kingdom of God is bringing upon peace, you would see him declare, the kingdom of heaven is near, repent. Have you ever noticed a figure like that in any nativity scenes? I don't think so. Advent, for Mark, is not about choirs of angels. He begins the story of Jesus' coming with a prophet blaring, and baptizing in the wilderness of Judea. In so doing, he adds a new figure to the good news about the incarnation and coming of Christ. It is John the Baptist. Throughout the centuries, the church has recognized as Mark's unique contribution to the observance of Advent. And Advent means coming. 2,000 years ago, in a place called Bethlehem, lying in a manger, God came to us in the weakness of a baby. God entered our world, put on our shoes, and lived and breathed and walked among us. He taught, loved, died on a cross, and rose again. 
God came to us. Advent is that thing. God doesn't only come once upon a time and then the story is over happily ever after. It's not something the Lord did once and it's done. It comes, He will come again in reality. And God comes to us every day in different shapes or forms. Every moment of our day, whether we realize it or not, whether we sense it or not, whether we can hear or see or touch God or not, He comes to us. The presence of God bombards our lives and sweeps over us like waves in the ocean. The scripture gives us an image upon the Im of our Lord as the one who comes, not the one who judges. There's an importance. Coming through humanity is a reflection of the very nature of God. His nature is love, and love comes, love gives. Love can't do anything else. And God is constantly coming to us. Our hope that makes all the shadows in our lives and the world lose their bite that is that He comes and has come, is coming, and will come again. Mark introduces John the Baptist and the coming of Jesus with a statement about beginnings. He said, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Does the concept of beginning ring a bell? The scriptures talk about beginnings in a variety of places. None more prominent than Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke and there was light and waved his hand and put the sun, moon, and the stars in place and all the creatures in the existence. In the beginning, God created and it was good. And now it's the beginning all over again. The beginning of the church year, the beginning of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, the beginning of good news about a creation God is making for us, for you and for me. It's not a creation that involves sand or sea. It's not a creation that requires billions of gas burning up in the sky. This new creation doesn't birth another universe, but it brings a kingdom that brings new lives. Have you looked around lately? You would see new lives. You would see new lives in our community. God is creating something. God is creating salvation in the first coming of Jesus. A restoration of everything that sin has stolen from us and broken in us. A remarking of who we are. He is creating an opportunity for healing, for forgiveness and freedom. And the Lord is making a road for those far away to become sons and daughters. He is unleashing grace that can redeem everything that brokenness destroyed. He is making all things new. In the verse 9-11 we read, that Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. As he is baptized, there is a bodily indication that the Spirit falls on Jesus, descending on him like a dove. Then a voice is heard from heaven, You are my Son, 
whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus is God's chosen one. This is the very expression of God bringing his salvation to humanity. Jesus is God's mighty right hand stretched out to make all things new. So much that St. John the Baptist will say, After me will come one more powerful than I, whose thongs of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie. A quick reading of the Old Testament prophecy let us know how awesome the saving and transforming gift of the Holy Spirit is. God often directed his people, showed them the way, and spoke to them through his spiritual leaders, wanting Israel to pay attention and follow where he would lead. As the Lord would do that, there would be a few souls who would stand up and say, oh, I'm going to follow God. People like Joshua, who would say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And in contrast, the witness of the Old Testament portrays the majority of the folks saying, yeah, I'll serve God, while they served other gods as well. Or, I'll serve God and bring a blemished sacrifice. Or, I'll serve God, but I'll rebel against his law and sin against him. Needless to say, this is a problem. The prophets began to describe the problem as a heart condition. According to Jeremiah, human heart is like a stone tablet chiseled with an iron tool and etched with a diamond point into the contours of sin. Isn't that beautiful? Israel, though, blew it. Humanity blew it. And from time to time, we blow it because sin is deeply written into the nature of who we are. We can't get away from it, and we cannot change it. Prophets, however, like St. John the Baptist, didn't leave humanity in despair over the piece of news. They offered a message of hope. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove from your heart the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and inspire you to follow my laws. Isn't that a beautiful image? John, today, is calling out to all who will hear the message to prepare the way for the Lord, make the path straight for him. John is calling out to those who want to hear, the Lord is coming, let's get ready. The Lord is on his way. He is coming in the fullness of salvation. He is coming in the form of promised Christ, the Son of God in whom all the promises of God are. Yes, everything that would be life for us, healing for us, restoration for us, redemption and forgiveness for us, he is creating. The Holy Spirit that can literally change us from the inside out. He is bringing with him. He is coming. In order to receive the coming of Christ, John invites us to get ready by coming out to the wilderness. That is the locale where John is baptizing. That is the arena in which he carries out his prophetic ministry. So he invites us to get ready by journeying into the wilderness. I want to look at John and I want to say, John, with all due respect, I don't have time to go to wilderness between now and Christmas Eve. I am an Episcopal priest. Haven't you gotten the news? 
ah, that's where we go on mess. Wilderness is not simply a geographical concept in the scriptures. Wilderness represents an aspect of authentic relationship with God. Wilderness is the place where people of God get back in touch with God. And you and I get so busy working out our problems, our lives, our duties, our responsibilities, that we lose touch with God sometimes during Advent. The Lord often took his people into the wilderness in the Old Testament so that they may orient their life once more around his presence and mercy. The Lord pushes his people toward the desert to unclench fingers and set the prisoners free. The Lord calls his people into the barrenness of wasteland so worldly destructions might fade into the rearview mirror. The promised land is good, is on the horizon, but cannot be experienced until we journey into the wilderness. So St. John the Baptist calls us to get ready for the coming of Christ by making the trek out into the wilderness. St. John the Baptist invites him into the wilderness, and if we're going to receive Christ's coming, we must be ready, we, might, we must be willing to be ready by stepping away from the distractions, out of the pace and pattern of Christmas, as it is celebrated by our culture, and going out into a stripped-down simplicity of the desert, where we can learn again to not live on bread, but on the word of the Lord. Not on stuff, but on His presence. The wilderness, friends, prepares us to be an alien people, different from the world. A journey into the wilderness can change how we celebrate Christmas. And it will be a change for the better. St. John the Baptist calls us into the wilderness to hear a message. It's a message, not only of getting ready, not only in dwelling in wilderness, but it's a message of repentance. Repentance is not typically what we think when we think of Christmas now, is it? Lent will come way too early on February 14th. In Christmas, we want to talk about hope and love and joy and peace. We tend to focus on exalted concepts that make us feel good. But St. John the Baptist invites us to the wilderness to consider a message of repentance. What is repentance? But a, a, a focus in which how we move from hopelessness into hopefulness. Repentance is an exalted religious word, and it's got a dirty connotation now, isn't it? Those of us who are recovering from evangelicalism, recovering from different religions, recovering from whatever. Repentance is a dirty word, people say. But actually, if we understand it, it's about turning away and turning toward. It's about making a 180-degree change towards God. Notice the category turning away from. We turn away the things that hinder us. We turn towards things that, um, that God has created for us. And that is the driving motive in the entire Gospel of Mark. Jesus goes through the cities. He also uh, pro proclaims a message of repentance. 
Jesus wants us to draw near to him, for us to be prepared. And that is the message of Advent. Let me ask you a final question. As I've asked myself, every Advent, Jesus is coming, and I am generally not ready. I'm not ready for Christmas. I'm not ready for the new year. But Jesus came 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger. He is coming to us in his love, in his grace, in his mercy. Have you ever thought about all the promises of God are yes in Jesus? And he will come again to bring all things to their right place. Are we ready? Can we be ready in whatever is left of our Advent journey? John the Baptist has provided for us. He calls us into the wilderness from all the clamor, the destruction, and he asks us to do one thing, turn the power down and focus on Jesus. Respond to the message. Pray about the hindrances in your life and simply pray, Lord, deliver me from this. Help me overcome. Help me trust. Give me strength. He invites us to follow him on Jesus' way, the way of the cross, the way of giving our lives away. John the Baptist enters Christmas story to get us ready for the coming of Christ. Are you ready? Are we ready? Or do we need to answer the call of St. John the Baptist and join him in the wilderness to get ready? Jesus is coming. My prayer for us, let's not look busy, but let's look and get ready. Amen.